Hello and welcome into another episode of the Esports Network podcast in partnership with Reuters. As always, I'm your host, Mitch Reams. And if you work for a brand looking to expand its reach in esports, Esports Network is looking for new pod- partners. Esports Network has opportunities across digital media, podcasting, and video programs. Please reach out to Esports Network CEO Mark Timmick if you'd like to be a sponsor of this show or any of Esports Network's other properties. On this episode of the Esports Network podcast, we're bringing back a guest from about a year ago, Itamar Benetti. He's the co-founder and CEO of Onzu. Itamar, welcome back to the show. Hey, Mitch. Great to be here. Itamar was on the show back in February of 2020, where we discussed the growth of in-game advertising. For people who missed that show or too many of our new listeners since then, Onzu is a platform that makes it easier for brands to get into video game worlds and for developers to open up more potential white spaces in their games for brands. Anzu has worked with publishers like Ubisoft and Lioncastle to deliver branded moments for major brands like Samsung, Pepsi, American Eagle, and many more. In esports, we have seen in-game ads take on a larger role, especially recently. League of Legends opened up space in Summoner's Rift, and it was filled by MasterCard and Alienware, among other partners. And just this morning, as we record this on Wednesday, February 10th, 2021, Rocket League announced that Ford is going to take over their in-game billboards for the upcoming Winter Major. Anzu also had a big announcement this month. The platform recently raised $9 million in additional capital in a round co-led by Bitcraft Ventures and HBSE Ventures. There was participation by plenty more investors, of course, including Mark Merrill, one of the two founders of Riot Games. This follows two other funding raises of $3 and $5 million. So, Inamar, congrats on the raise, first of all. What are the plans for this capital? Yeah, thank you, Mitch. Um, so as you said, we raised $9 million. Bitcraft is one of our um, um, previous investors. It's the leading gaming esports VC. HBC is a new VC, which comes from the sport world and a lot of touch points around gaming. And then other investors are WPP, the biggest advertising group in the world, which is also like an existing investor. Um, Sony Innovation Fund, the, you know, Sony is one of the biggest gaming groups in the world and the owner of PlayStation. So that's a privilege to have them on board. Mark Merrill, the founder and chairman of um, Riot Games and League of Legends, as you mentioned. Dylan Collins, the founder and CEO of Super Awesome that recently got acquired by Epic Games. Um, the Chicago Cubs, yeah, the baseball team, Goal Ventures, um, Gangels and Alumni Ventures. So a very crowded and exciting structure of investors to have on board. I'm a Cardinals fan, so we'll let the Cubs uh, investment thing slide, I guess. But congrats <laughs> on all the different people who came together. You mentioned before we started recording, you were in uh, the position that every founder kind of hopes they find themselves in, which is uh, we have a few people, we have different options for capital, so we can pick the people that make the most strategic sense for us going forward. What did you find from the people, the different investors? What were you looking for, uh, especially as guiding parts uh, of the company to push it forward? Sure. So, I mean, you know, what this round was not about, it was not about doing it fast. We could have financed it like very, very fast. It was about bringing the best structure, number one. Number two, it was about, you know, to maximize shareholder value. We could raise to almost double the amount, but we didn't thought it makes sense. This is the amount of cash we need for next stage growth. And then in the future, if it's a year from now or two years from now, we can do another round whenever that makes sense. So we were not looking at, at, at you know, these things. It was more about 
we have a lot of confidence in game advertising because it's going to become a major business model for game developers across all platforms, console, PC, mobile, and an important ad category for brands, media agencies, and DSPs. Um, and the question is, how fast can that happen? We're, we're speaking about big brands, big publishers, not easy companies to convince them to do something new. So when we meet partners that can help us to make this happen faster, that's where we get excited. One forum, two partners via investment. One is a strategic partnership, and it can elaborate more of some of the partnerships we have in place. And some of them is people who join our team. So that was what was guiding us and looking at the different you know buckets of where our investors came from. There is some you know some like VCs and financial institutions. There is advertising groups. There is gaming groups, and there is sports. Organizations that have a lot of touch points and it's going to become an important uh, overlap, in my opinion, in the next few years. And of course, there is like the values that we want to um, re represent and communicate as a company. So, Gangels is the leading uh, um, investor for equal opportunity, um, which is for us an important um, um, announcement to basically save the world. So, that was how we were looking at it. That's a great place to be at. And again, yeah, it's a great, you're very fortunate that Anzu and because of the company that you've built has a place where you can start bringing in all those different uh, investors and make sure that, hey, morally, this is this lines up with where we want to be. Uh, you mentioned right at the start of that answer how big companies, big brands, it takes a lot for them to move. And that's been one of the things that's happened during this pandemic, you know, this has been a, a horrible experience for just about everybody, I think. Uh, but in the corporate world and the advertising world, one thing it has done is it's disrupted the status quo where, okay, we weren't taking a look at this because this is how we always did it. Well, suddenly you couldn't do things how you always did them. During this pandemic, have you seen more marketing budgets popping up that want to incorporate in-game advertising as part of their strategy? Have you seen brands expand their their focus on in-game advertising, just sort of how is the pandemic timeline uh, led to more in-game ads, more conversations around in-game ads from your perspective? Yeah, interesting question. I mean, there's a lot of you know implications of, of, of the pandemic. Some of them are positive, some of them are less positive. Let's try to break it down to some groups. So first, I mean, people are more at home. Thus, people play more games. If people play more games, there is more you know advertising opportunities for us to present. So that's you know, a very positive impact on, on our platform and our business. That's number one. Number two, from a brand perspective, you know, as there is less sport events, as there are less out-of-home interactions, brands are looking for more digital, virtual ways to communicate with consumers. And gaming, you know, is one of the these like better platforms to do as a time of the pandemic. I mean, it's basically you are you or watch Netflix or play a game or you're on Amazon. So it's 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 that was a great you know um, concept for us to to um, speak with brands about. And in general, we see a lot of you know brands and agencies are speaking about innovation in digital for ten years and not really doing a lot. And then suddenly, within three months, a lot of those plans are actually happening. So yeah, there was a lot of boost in in, in, in that regard. And, but there's, you know, a lot of other impacts. So as people fly less because of the pandemic, it's easier to get attention from both the big brands and the big games. On the other side, some games are postponing their release. So 
takes a bit more time to integrate the new technology. Um, and then a different angle is, in general, ad budgets are being cutted. Um, so, yeah, there, there's a lot of, you know, ways to, to, to look at this. But in general, for us, it, it, I mean, it, it was very positive. And I think the most important impact above everything I just mentioned was about the concept of who is the gamer. I mean, like, you know, in the past, brands would, would tell me your, your platform is, is, is pretty cool, but those geeks locked in their basement is not our audiences. I think there is now a lot of more awareness of who is the gamer and why gamers are not only geeks locked in their basement and with 3 billion people playing at least one game a month, I would argue every brand in the world that has an overlap with the gaming audience. And the better question is, which type of games is that a shooter game? Is that a casual game? Which platform is that an, an Xbox game or a mobile game? Uh, which bring this right audiences the brand wants to communicate with and will bring the right contextual relevancy of that brand. So with that happening and with basically sport fans who saw gaming as something for geeks becoming gamers themselves, I think that's the main impact that... Um, would help us moving forward with making Anzu uh, like a, a, like an important ad category for the big brands. Definitely. Yeah, the change in the stereotype or the destruction of a stereotype that was already on its way out, it felt like, but it was still being held on to a lot, uh, is definitely a huge moment of the pandemic. I recalled even prior to the pandemic talking with, who was it? I think it was an old teacher or a professor who was just like oh yeah but i mean the gaming demographic it's this and i'm like do you do you play any games and they're like oh no not really i'm like really do you play words with friends they're like oh yeah wait i do oh do you know a lot of other professors a lot of other teachers who play random mobile games like that oh yeah we do like there's gaming for some reason is viewed as this like intense PC-based experience when most people have some mobile game downloaded on their phone and the numbers support it. And so it's like, you might think the gaming audience is that, but it's all part of how you view gaming and the breadth with which you view it that you can easily reach by partnering with Candy Crush or buying ad space in Candy Crush. You can easily reach a demographic of uh, middle-aged moms if you'd like. Like there's that option was out there and smart brands saw that. But for some reason, that stereotype was still persisting. Yeah, I mean, totally agree. I mean, you know, some people think women play less games for mobile games. Actually, they play more than men. And so I guess, yeah, like choosing the right game, the right platform. Some games are popular in some countries, some in others is, is, is the most important part for helping brands understand the gaming advertising opportunity and because where we're coming from we believe people don't hate ads people hate bad ads now having intrusive ad formats made people number one to use more ad blockers number two to move to paid um, products instead of ads but if if it's done right like let's take facebook and google's two and two, two examples most people would prefer having Facebook and Google for free with ad base than having a paid solution for that. Because think about it, you can steal a product, like use it like illegally, you can pay for it or you can have ads. I believe if it's done right, most of the world will, will prefer the free product solution. That's really what we're trying to do because we don't believe that 
advertising should be a trade-off with that user experience. We think that the, the, there's a better way to do that. And that's a lot of how our vision is, is, is here about this. I think gamers will absolutely agree with you. It's hard. You're hard pressed to find anybody who's not stoked that uh, Rocket League, for example, just went free to play over the summer. And today they announce a week log partnership with Ford where they're bringing a Ford F-150 into the game clearly an advertisement but based on all of the uh, response i saw on social media is people like oh yeah i'm gonna go get a bud light in my ford truck and all those other like generally positive oh cool ford's here and that's kind of the core of it right that's clearly an ad ford paid quite a bit of money for uh, that activation but rocket league's now free people realize hey branded activations are going to be one part of it and if it's done well by a smart brand this kind of in-game advertising is really, really, really successful uh, because it just it's interactive. It's uh, it gets goodwill from the from the fans and from the players from the jump. And so, uh, I think we're seeing more and more of that gaming, especially as we move to the games as a service model with games going free to play more and more. Yeah, and you know, there's three different you know observations to to to, to look at this from a brand perspective. We're about making it accessible and affordable. So what Ford did with Rocket League is amazing, but it's number one, very expensive. Number two, takes a lot of time. Number three, not a lot of games and brands can do that type of complicated execution. What, what we're basically saying is that it should be easy for brands, accessible and affordable. And also that like both from executing the campaign and from understanding media value and, and getting confidence to spend more. So. Everything we do is programmatic. We're integrated to Google and all the DSPs. We use all the standard banners and videos brands already have. So it's easy now to book a campaign, like two clicks of a button, no integration needed, no special creative um, to create. But then more important is all the tools and products and partnerships to give brands confidence about the media value. And that's where we partner with Oracle and with Moat for viewability and, 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 and other uh, important metrics where we partner with Nielsen and Kantar and Comscore for brand lift impact because as we integrate into the game engine directly, there is significantly less fraud in our environment versus other digital platforms. As gaming in most cases is a 3D environment, brand like the ad exposure is, is significantly stronger. As there is a very low chance for a second screen as you're playing the game, then brand impact will, will be stronger. So if it's easy to execute and gives you confidence about the value, brands will, will jump on it. That, that's from a brand perspective. From a gamer perspective, like most gamers prefer real brands versus fake ads in their in their games. And there is research by you know leading institutions like Comscore verifying that. I think Call of Duty is one of the leading. Um, sorry, I, um, I believe Call of Duty is one of the leading digital out-of-home advertising companies not earning a penny from it because they only put fake ads. So that's one from user experience perspective. But second, as games become from a paid game, they, the games become free. It can be affordable for more people that maybe don't want to pay $60 for a game. So it's better for the gamer and better for the game developer that more people will play the game. From a game developer perspective, that's the last point here. The common business model of paying in advance $60, $70 for a console game is, 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 is getting tricky because, you know, 
setting this for six dollars is decreasing pretty fast, and a lot of games are becoming free to play. I believe in two three years, most of the AAA games are free to play. Number two, the business model of microtransaction in locked boxes has now a lot of pressure about regulations, and that's going to be challenged. And I believe in-game advertising can be the way to combine the business model with other models um, in the best possible way. Yeah, knowing EA, somehow they're just going to uh, make it still cost $60, still have loot boxes, and then also hit you with a bunch of in-game ads. In fact, they're already uh, doing some of those things. I just saw a tweet from Blake Robbins, who's great voice on Twitter for anybody who doesn't follow him, uh, going over the revenue from Ultimate Team over the last six years. And even though it's been banned in Belgium, and I believe the Netherlands as well, Inamar, you might know, uh, loot boxes have been basically banned and taken away in those countries, hasn't mattered. They've done, they've almost doubled in revenue from about 700 million in around the 2014, 2015 range, I don't have the tweet in front of me, to about 1.4 billion this year on Ultimate Team specifically. So just the buying of packs, uh, gambling, on, on in-game gambling. And it's incredible to me that that revenue continues increasing year over year, even as games go free to play, even as there's this bigger and bigger focus on making things consumer friendly, on having games that evolve over time without uh, players having to pay out more and more money, on having just cosmetics as uh, part of what you pay for. And no. They, people keep paying it, and so there's no real necessity for them to change right now. Uh, but I'm curious, like, what if that eventually ends up changing in some way? Uh, and you mentioned how there's some bad in-game ads at times. And NBA 2K, which is not EA, but is kind of similar in many regards in the way it operates, uh, came under fire for some bad ads. What are the dangers of having bad in-game advertising, uh, especially to, to a brand and then also to the game and the game developer? Sure. Yeah. I mean, a lot of interesting topics to, to discuss here. I mean, first, you know, EA, you know, quite amazing uh, acquisition efforts this day with Codemasters for, for a billion dollar and Glue Mobile for more than $2 billion. So yeah, quite interesting to see the consolidation in, in the space. I mean, first, you know, everything about locked boxes and regulations it reminds me the early days of gambling that, that like, you know, on, on, on the beginning, it was a recommendation. Then it took up in a few countries, then more and more regulations came into place until eventually it really disrupted the industry. I'm pretty sure that's the same is going to happen in the previous version of FIFA. Now they have like this monitor that it's like they're showing you like how much time are you playing the game? How much money are you spending? Which something they didn't do in the past. I guess they're doing it to satisfy the regulator, which will not stop there, in my opinion. So I think it's not really what they would want, but eventually lot of boxes, it's going to be significantly limited as a business model. That's number one. Number two, um, yeah, you can have a $60, $70 game and put ads, but I think there is a better business model of earning eventually more money than having the game free. And then each person that will contribute to the to the microtransaction to the ads will just do that more because you know more people will play it, um, and you know it's like next generation now PlayStation and Xbox is getting even more expensive to build a game, so now it's going from sixty to seventy, and so it will be would it be eighty in the future, and where will that stop? 
And so I think it's interesting to 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 see that. And yeah, I mean, actually, EA was the company before 2K doing the full screen, non-skippable ads for a $70 game with microtransactions inside. I mean, I I think a full screen ad can work in a console game if done right. The, but the gamer should choose when to to see the full screen ad. He should get a reward mechanism for that. It should not be um, um, like like uh, unskippable, and it should not be for a seventy dollar paid game. So I think it's just like a bad execution of how that was done. But you know, when we speak about in-game advertising, we speak about something quite different. We don't speak about full screen ads. We speak about basically monetizing specific game objects. Exactly how as as consumers we interact with brands in the physical world. So like a poster on a wall, a logo on a T-shirt branded content inside the billboard that's how we see in-game advertising both banners and videos as non-intrusive authentic and even makes games more realistic so i think that's you know there's like if if the definition of in-game ad is, is every ad inside the game yeah a, a full screen ad can be considered in-game but it's very far from our vision and how how we see it and in terms of you know yeah look like bad in-game ads i guess no, it's 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 about the user experience in in many cases, and and because you know, at least how we work with in-game advertising, it's all happening in real time. So there's game objects we monetize and we blend branded content on top of that, and maybe smaller companies in the in-game advertising space that don't have the technology to to make sure that you know like blue screens and black holes don't appear in the game while they try to render branded content instead of the texture of the game. I guess that's not an experience a gamer would want to see. But I believe over time, like um, uh, companies trying to build in-game advertising will make sure there is there is these standards for making it, you know, look good. And because one thing is not blocking the gamer from playing the game. And the second thing is having like this, like, you know, branded content, how it should be uh, basically seen. So that's how maybe in-game advertising can can happen bad. And this is how I, how I see the EA, you know, evolution in the business model. Really insightful answer there. I uh, found that quite interesting. And I think you make a really good point, which is that the core of this is in-game ads could be a net positive for everybody in gaming, assuming they are unobtrusive, they uh, exist in the background, they replace what was already uh, previous fake brands, which we've seen in, like you mentioned, Call of Duty. We've seen that in uh, most shooting games for for multiple reasons. One, because they can't find enough brands that are, are cool with the brand safety aspect enough, but also because it's just not something they're doing. And uh, it's, it's a net positive. We move games towards being free or cheaper. And we create additive experiences. Uh, you know, everyone can, I think, get on board with that. And Anzu's doing a really good job of uh, being that bridge between, okay, you've got your massive companies like Ford who could do a week-long activation of Rocket League, uh, with, which is with Epic Games, of course, who is no secret to or no stranger to getting major brands into their video game. Uh, but then you've got all these other developers, these mobile developers and all these other smaller brands that are looking for those types of partnerships too and can't totally make them happen. So Odds sort of serves as a nice bridge to that to make it a more consistent part and a more measurable part, as you mentioned earlier. Uh, so I'm curious about the different platforms and especially how in-game advertising 
works on PC, console, and mobile. And Anzu works with all three. Which of those ecosystem poses the biggest challenge for brands looking to advertise in game? You know, is there a special challenge that comes with working with PC, console, or mobile uh, that the other platforms don't have? Yeah, I mean, maybe first two comments on your previous uh, notes. So, I mean, you mentioned brand safety. I think that's an interesting topic. In the past, most brands would see a shooter game as, you know, like a violent environment not to be associated with. I think now the conversation is becoming more about brand suitability for each brand, what which type of game environment is is suitable and, 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 and makes sense. Epic Games and Fortnite did an amazing job of taking a shooter game, making it a bit cartoonish, and so there's no red blood, there's blue blood, and making brands comfortable with the environment. And I mean, let's take Call of Duty, PepsiCo is one of their big you know, sponsors. I don't think in the past PepsiCo saw Call of Duty as, as, as an environment they'll want to be part of. So I think it's moving from, is that brand safe to this is a pop culture, doesn't make sense for for my brand. So I think there's like a lot of shift in the concept of how these environments are being treated, number one. And then like, like I mean, uh, like uh, about Ford, yes, Ford and Nike and Louis Vuitton and like and Gucci can do those amazing productions with you know, like big sponsorships with game developers. Even for those companies, I think we can bring a lot of value because all of those campaigns are more like, you know, like one-offs. And what we're... Like our platform is more about, you know, like giving you the metrics to have confidence to be more like a like a, as an always on deal. So this is like every month reoccurring. It's not like like a one time thing. So I think that's you know like um, quite interesting in, in the concept and the value that, that we can bring here both for the marketers and for the um, game developers. Um, so, so, so that's like um, um, one way to look at it. And second, I mean, you know. Um, about going back to the brand safety point, I, I forgot to to um, um, to mention. I mean, like, let's take for example, s- social media, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. There is user generated content, which can be, you know, like um, quite of a concern for brands not to have control around where is does their brand uh, uh, um, being uh, presented. Uh, if it's like the story of the pedophilia content on YouTube and political issues and, and et cetera. Gaming in that regard has a very safe environment. Most games don't have user-generated content and there's much more control for, for you choose which games you want to advertise in and then you know exactly what you're getting. There is no surprises versus other, uh, other mediums. So I would say even a shorter game is, is more of a brand safe environment than the social platforms. So I think that's like like interesting to mention. Then going to your question about the platform. So there's you know three layers of how you should look at this. There is there is the platform level where we work with consoles, with PC, with mobile, with cloud gaming, with AR and VR. And so, for example, with Xbox, we're the only company in the world with a license agreement to be allowed to put ads in their in, in their game environment. So that's like the platform layer. The, then there is the engine layer where we work with all the game engines. Unity, Unreal is owned by, by Epic, Lumberyard owned by Amazon, custom engines, companies with their own game engines, Cocos, Cry Engine, you name it. And then as you support a specific platform and support a specific engine, and we're like total omni-channel here, then you can partner with specific games and, and, and 
building on that platform and that engine. And what was smart in our architecture and planning is that Anzu is a single code base. And then we have this like adapter for each game engine and each game platform, which allows us with a very efficient way to manage like almost 30 different platforms and, and supporting all of them. So, so, so that's like in terms of how we work and who we work with. Um, and then of course, each platform has his, you know, interesting point. So mobile has a big advantage that there is advertising standards that PC and console don't have. PC and console don't have the ITFA or, or cookie as unique identifiers. Um, and all of the DSPs and media buying platforms don't yet know how to treat PC console, even though it's changing over time and we're doing a lot of work with in, in, in that regard. Um, and then mobile games are more familiar with the concept of advertising. It's easier to, you know, to present this business opportunity for them for, versus PC console games. It's more of a new topic. So these are like why mobile, of course, Volumes is a big point for why mobile and then PC console. It's a big screen. It's a more premium environment. People never saw ads in those environments. People pay twenty to sixty dollars to play that game. Um, even more like you know impressive graphics. So I guess the combination of mobile, PC, and console together, in in, in my opinion, brings the best um, marketing opportunity for brands and this like one-stop shop approach for game developers who are working on different platforms. Absolutely. There's so many follow-ups there. This is this is always how our conversations end up going, where it's like, I have, <laughs> I have thoughts on the brand safety thing that I want to roll it back to. And I'm like, ah, we can't, uh, we can't get to it. I think we could have an entire conversation just on the points uh, you brought up on that, which is really, really fascinating. And the user-generated content and the way that brand safety has been leveraged against gaming, uh, I think it kind of gets... Back to those same stereotypes we were talking about where people were looking for reasons why they can't work in this space, not really finding justifications for, okay, why? Yeah, this isn't so bad compared to this or this. It was like, oh, we're not going to do gaming and it's because some of the games are violent. Okay, cool. We'll go do something else. And it was kind of reconfirming their own stereotypes uh, versus now, you know, they were also advertising in NASCAR or the NFL or take, take your pick of violent property that's legitimately real life violent. Um, so it's, it's a really interesting point in the, in the combination of user generated content, you know, there's no, nothing stopping you from ha buying a Reddit ad and then the post below it being somebody dying or some, uh, really intense moment or something that you don't want your brand anywhere near associated with. And you just can't even, uh, deal with that. So, uh, re really interesting point there. And then, uh, on the platform side as well. I find that fascinating how mobile has kind of been the leader in the space. I think that's intuitive for for most people, being that most mobile games have been free and people are just like very unwilling to spend five dollars on a mobile game when they won't bat an eye at spending thirty on a on the same game or a similar game for PC or or console. Uh, and so ads have just kind of been a necessity on those platforms for long, and that's allowed them to be uh, possibly leaders in this space. Is that a fair? Uh, fair thing to say that that mobile developers, uh, people who have been running mobile games, have been kind of the ones pushing in-game advertising forward over the last four or five years. Um, interesting um, question. So I'll limit myself to one comment on your previous topic because else, we will, <laughs> else it will take until the until tomorrow. I mean, think about brands sponsoring a football game that. The game itself is not violent, 
But then out of the game, people get drunk, people get murdered, super, super violent environment it can get. And the brand sponsor is being seen on the same scene. So versus a video game, the game is a shooter game. It's more violent than the football game itself. But then out, out of the esports tournament, you know, it's a super educated or like, you know, like, a, a, you know, a, a audience, they, there is no violence. And, and, and so it's like, you know, interesting to see these two different cases and why would a brand see a shooter game, esports tournament as violent in a sport game with people getting killed out of the game, not violent. So just like an interesting observation to, to, to think about. I absolutely agree. You see that at the Super Bowl as well. You know, it's obviously a massive event for all advertisers. Uh, some of the players in that game have very bad histories. The the biggest players, Tyree Kill for one, um, they're violent people. They they have bad allegations against them. Uh, it's not good. And so it's, but brands have no issue with that. And it's, it's when the gun appears on screen that that is where they're drawing the line. And like you mentioned, I think some attitudes are changing on that front as people examine it or like they bring up these other justifications are like, okay, yeah, wait, are we missing out on a valuable opportunity because we're holding on to an outdated stereotype that doesn't really hold up under scrutiny? Yeah. And then, you know, your, your, your other question, I think it's quite the opposite. I think the PC and console game is the catalyzator for in-game advertising because advertising in a programmatic way in mobile games has been here for a lot of time. Yes. It's a different format. It's pop-ups, it's full-screen ads, it's annoying, but still there is a way to advertise in a programmatic way in a mobile environment. Us being the first and only company in the world to bring programmatic advertising to console games and, and bringing those, you know, hard to reach audiences that play less and that's watch less TV, play more video games and this like, you know, amazing 3D world graphics, super premium $60 title game. I think that's going to be the more meaningful uh, impact on in-game advertising. And that as you have those amazing titles in the front and the brand would recognize the value from in-game advertising and he will want more of it, then he'll start to add, you know, volumes and mobile games and expand that. But I think... The console AAA game is the main catalyzator for why in-game advertising will become a big business. And, you know, there's some some other companies in the in-game advertising world, which all of them focus only mobile games, only 2D worlds. Us being the only company that, you know, like works with AAA games and, and, and console environments is going to be, in, in my opinion, a huge, huge um, point moving forward. There's certainly an opportunity to change how people see in-game ads through PC and console. Because you're... You're absolutely right. People think of mobile ads and it's the same. You do a run on a game like uh, when I was popular in high school, it was like what Angry Birds, Temple Run, uh, those kind of like one run games. And then you watch an ad and that's kind of how it, how it goes over and over and repeat. Uh, and with PC and console, you can integrate ads into the background. You can make ads a bigger part of the game universe uh, and just do some cooler things there. So I think that's a great uh, insight to end off on. I think I could talk to you for another 25 minutes, but I know it's late uh, where you're at early for me. Uh, so Itamar, I'm going to give you one final chance. What do you want people looking out for, following, watching for, uh, for Onzu coming up? Are y'all expanding and looking to hire soon? Probably. Definitely. We were into recently a quite a small team and now we know with our, with our new funding and a lot of the 
breakthrough in our technology where we're, we're expanding and we're expanding fast. We recently uh, launched our office in Los Angeles. New York is coming next. next. There is an APEC, some really cool stuff in, in the pipe. Definitely be on the lookout for this company. And if you see a really cool in-game ad, think about what technology is happening behind the scenes to make that a possibility. Uh, so that's all for this episode of the Esports Network podcast. You can learn more about the company underneath this show. Uh, check out Inamar's bio page as well if you want to learn more about his background in particular. I believe I'm publishing this show on Monday, February 15th, the day after Valentine's Day. So be on the lookout for a new episode of the Gamer Hour coming Tuesday at 6 p.m. Pacific time. And then a new episode of the Esports Network podcast coming on Friday. Let me see if I know what guest that's going to be for you all. Uh, I believe it might be the Billion Dollar Myth, which was a really interesting conversation with a professor who is uh, examining the size of the esports industry and basically making an argument for why it's pretty uh, insanely undervalued uh, in comparison to the new zoo metric, which puts the esports industry at $1 billion. So the $1 billion myth, why esports is actually more valuable than some people are giving it credit for. We have an interesting discussion. I actually come around to his point a little bit on that show. So be on the lookout for that show coming out on Friday.